Often, the moments when we most need to pause is exactly when it feels most intolerable to do so. This is the Yoakum Strength Podcast with me, your host, Austin Yoakum. And on this episode of the podcast, we have the legendary Nutbro. Nutbro is a biohacking savage who went from struggling with anxiety and depression to being the superhero he is today. And today he covers just how he did that. His journey of experimentation with supplements, herbs, and natural remedies to level himself up to live the life he wants to live with none of the negatives of Big Pharma. He also covers the supplements for athletes, the best pre-workouts to take, testosterone boosters, and skill acquisition enhancers. And he finishes it off with a talk of how to balance the catalyst with the fundamentals and how to not get lost in the weeds that is the supplement world. This was an amazing podcast with an even better dude. And I can't wait for you guys to listen. Keep chopping wood. Before we hit the intro music, I wanted to introduce to you guys the Yoakum Strength Insider. The Yoakum Strength Insider is our online training platform that takes all of the ideas that we talk about on this podcast and implements them into a program that is available to you at the touch of your fingers. Our goal with the Yoakum Strength Insider is to create better movers, to level up your life, and to move forward from where you are. We do this in a holistic fashion. Not only will you receive a program that has helped hundreds of people become better movers, you'll also receive access to our app that allows you to track everything, has video links for all exercises, and allows you to be in constant communication with a Yoakum Strength Coach. Along with this, you'll get our 30-page PDF nutrition and lifestyle guidelines that includes everything from what to eat, how much of it to eat, why we're eating it, meditation habits, and other lifestyle habits that we implement with our clients to really level up their lives. If you're interested in trying out one of these programs, use Podcast 25 in the discount section right before you pay for 25% off your first program. Boom. This is the Yoakum Strength Podcast. Take the leap down the rabbit hole with us as we interview elite-level guests to unravel what high performance really is. Oh, no, bro. Welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to have you here. Thank you, man. Pleasure. Yo, so we, uh, I've been uh, following Noah Ryan for a while and had him on the podcast, and it was banger of a podcast. Dude, just, just savage, like total savage. And one of the things I was talking to you about before, and he was one that really recommended, and I'd seen a bunch of your stuff, but he's like, you've got to have this guy on. He rips. <laughs> the one thing that I was talking to you about, and it, it just kind of clicked in my head now that I'm thinking about it, is like the reason biohackers get, biohackers in quotations, get such a bad like rep. In the, in the world of like sports performance is because they're not real biohackers, you know, like it's like I like having guys like you on and guys like no Ryan on to tell your story because you guys are after actually optimizing life like you guys are unbelievably smart. You guys are ripped. You guys are jacked. You guys are doing really awesome, like physical and mental feats. And then you see the dude that is like just smoking pot in the sauna and just like spouting out the 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 science that you guys have actually done the research on. So it's like these pretend biohackers are kind of like giving a bad rap to to guys like yourself that are actually like using these things to optimize life and unlocking peak performance, which I know is something that you really optimize and, and, and think about a lot. So I'm really excited to have you on and kind of talk about the biohacking and your story and your journey through it. Yeah, of course. And by the way, I listened to the, the podcast with Noah Ryan and it's awesome. And uh, I talk to him nearly daily now because I'm working on a couple things with him. So stay tuned there. Oh, but, hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so my story probably starts about 10 years ago, 2014. Um, you know, prior to that, I'd lived like a pretty normal life. 
um, was, you know, did decently well in school, was pretty good athlete. Um, but 2014, I was in high school at that point, was in Barcelona, and I had like just like really bad, like started to have really bad anxiety where I would have, you know, thoughts come into my head. I wouldn't be able to to really get them out. In fact, the more I tried to push away from those thoughts, the more they kind of like took control of me. And it was a very kind of uh, debilitating uh, feeling, kind of like a hopeless feeling because um, yeah, I'm, I'm like, am I going to have to live my whole life this way? Like, this is no way to, to live life. So th that was kind of the start of a spiral with mental health, um, anxiety, depression, um, you know, was able to kind of get through it decently. At that point, I was training like every day for swimming and I was busy at school and all of that stuff. So I was able to kind of stay busy, but it came back, I guess, in 2016. I was in college at that point, had just started college and had like a sim similar kind of experience where I'm having like really crippling anxiety, OCD, had no idea what to do about it. Um, and it kind of took control of me. So I had to take a leave of absence. I was like almost, I was borderline suicidal at that point. And what I did is, you know, you, you go see a doctor, right? And that's what people tell you to do. And um, he eventually put me on Lexapro, which is a serotonin reuptake inhibitor, like, you know, classic antidepressant and used for anxiety and OCD. Um, was also prescribed Xanax. And, you know, those two were super helpful. I'm not going to lie that they, they did help for a while. But, uh, you know, as with a lot of these drugs, they start to have a really detrimental effect in causing like really unwanted side effects. And, um, you know, eventually I started having really bad side effects. They weren't really working as well anymore. So I was prescribed even more drugs kind of on top of that. So I was prescribed drugs to treat the side effects of the initial drugs I was taking. And it kind of got to a point where I was taking like five medications and I was like, you know, 21 years old. So it was just kind of out of control. And it reached a point where I'm like, I got to take control of my own health because obviously these, you know, the, the traditional treatments and the, the medications and the therapy had not really worked for me. So that's when I kind of took matters really fully into my own hands and started studying supplements, pharmacology, herbs, um, you name it, and just really went down the rabbit hole for a period of maybe, you know, the last like four years, um, really been going down the rabbit hole and was able to kind of dig myself out of that hole, um, you know, by studying and experimenting and, and trying all these different things. And, uh, yeah, eventually, you know, after I was able to solve a lot of these problems, it just became a passion of mine and, you know, super, uh, you know, passionate about this stuff and really, really enjoy just reading into it and digging into it. So I guess last year I, I quit my job. I was in investment banking, um, and I just went, had no plan, but basically what I did is I, you know, started started uh tweeting and started a supplement company and uh i guess a year later now here we are so that that's freaking awesome i i talk all the time it's like 
the the best strength coaches and physical therapists and athletic trainers, whatever it is, the 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 the, the physical part of it, the, the the best ones that I know always went through like a really bad injury and had to work themselves back from that injury. Uh, and now I'm getting to in this this biohacking supplement world, and it's like the best people in this world. I had um, the guy from the Maka team on, and he was he was talking about the same thing where he was really struggling and had to go down this rabbit hole. But it's it's something that 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 I've been thinking about a lot a lot. It's like we kind of pursue like, and when we are really good at something, we are really good at it for ourselves. Like we 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 put out all of these like things and and say it's for another another purpose, another thing. But a lot of times the best in the world are really, really good at something because they themselves struggled with it at a certain time. And that's why you're so invested in. That's why you're so interested in it. And and I always find that to be such an interesting journey for people of like, if you really want to get to like, like the nuts and, and the roots of everything, you probably have to be at a dark spot yourself or, or a struggle yourself with it. And you see the same thing, like, people with businesses and people with money. It's like a lot of times they, they didn't have a lot of money and they had to figure out how to make the money. And that's what got them really good at it. But if you're kind of in that middle ground, you really don't, you don't, you never really get that obsession piece with it, with what you're trying to chase. And if you don't have that obsession piece that you can't really keep up with somebody like yourself that has gone through it. And, and like, that is why you're so invested in it. Yeah, absolutely. You said that beautifully and much better than I can say. And yeah, I agree. There's no bigger motivator than something like a personal life challenge where, you know, literally your your life and your quality of life are on the line. Um, so if, if you don't fix that, then, you know, what do you really have? You don't really have much. So completely agree there. Mm. So let's talk about that anxiety and, and depression kind of journey for you, because I know there's a lot of athletes on here that are struggling with that. It's one of the biggest questions I get all the time. Whenever I do a Q&A, whenever I just sit down with athletes, it's it's one of the biggest things that they're struggling with. What was that journey like for you? And, and what were some of the tools that you tried early on that didn't really work um, and then really started the work? Like, what was kind of that process where you, when you started to take these things and you started to dive into these rabbit holes to figure out what worked for you to kind of get your body back to a homeostasis level, get your body back to a, um, a level in which it's not responding to these things in a negative way or in which just you're able to handle these things better. Yep, absolutely. And I, I guess I should preface this, you know, when I started at the beginning of my journey, I was very hopeless and knowing what I know now, um, you know, looking back at these problems, they're pretty easy to solve in my opinion. So uh, th there is a lot of hope out there for people who are struggling. I, I guess before I was even prescribed any drugs I was doing therapy and that you know it helped a little bit it wasn't anything crazy um and you know as I mentioned I, I was training a lot and I, I think that's what was able to to kind of get me through it even though it didn't really completely solve the issues I was having um you know it allowed me to have a, a decently good quality of life um eventually I was prescribed some of these drugs and you know like I said those helped for a while and eventually they're, they're causing side effects or they stop working or, um, you know, you just don't really want to be uh, on these drugs long term. So so, so some of the things early on that, that really helped. And um, I, I started following Grimhood on Twitter at Grimhood, uh, also called Magnesium Poppy. And he is probably uh, one of the smartest guys, if not the smartest guys in this space, in the supplement herbal space. Um, you know, his depth of knowledge is just insane. And he, he built his whole personality kind of around magnesium and, and how important that is for health. And I think it's just something that's so overlooked. 
everyone kind of hears magnesium. They're like, well, how could this mineral uh, be so vital to mental health? Like, is it really going to change anything um, about mental health? And, and for me, you know, once I started using high quality magnesium, I saw benefits to my anxiety very quickly, right? Um, because, it, you know, it has a couple different anti-anxiety actions. First of all, it's going to enhance the conversion of glutamate to GABA. So, you know, GABA is that inhibitory nerve transmitter. So generally, you know, when you have anxiety, increasing GABA is a good thing. Um, you know, it has a couple other uh, complementary mechanisms, you know, blocking glutamate receptors, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that was kind of one of the first things that helped me. A couple of other things that were super helpful were myo-inositol. So basically any, any serotonin reuptake inhibitor, these classic antidepressant drugs, um, you know, my, myo-inositol has been found to be just as effective um, as many as these drugs and pretty much all the conditions that these drugs are effective for. Um, you, you know, this is not just me saying that you, there's plenty of, you know, human studies that kind of back this up. Um, so I started taking that, you know, a few teaspoons under the tongue every day or uh, a few grams in, in every glass of water that I'm drinking. And, you know, when I started using that on top of the magnesium, it really helped. And probably what, you know, this, 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 right, this next one right here is a total game changer, um, for my depression, uh, was agmentine. And so, so agmentine sulfate, you'll see it in pre-workout supplements a lot, you know, because of the interaction with, uh, nitric oxide, but it, it also, it, it's basically a natural version of ketamine without all of the you know, dissociative, uh, psychoactive effects of ketamine, kind of those downsides that, you know, might be helpful for certain people, but might be kind of annoying for others. You know, agmentine, you can take daily without kind of detriment. And I saw improvements to depression basically overnight. Mm. Um, and, and a lot of, a lot of people, uh, are, are also kind of corroborating this. And, you know, if you go on PubMed search agmentine depression, Agmentine antidepressant, there's plenty of kind of uh, studies exploring this as a new rapid antidepressant, just like ketamine. You know, a couple of years ago, ketamine was approved for, um, you know, experimental treatment in depression. I think it might be fully approved now. I'm not completely sure. But anyways, th those kind of uh, those were kind of the three main things. So so looking more generally now, once you understand pharmacology, and how pharmacology ties into certain conditions, um, it, it's very easy to treat the condition up. I'm not saying that those supplements are, you know, going to cure you or completely fix those issues. Um, but magnesium, for example, you know, you already have magnesium in you. It's, it's necessary, right? It's used in over 3,000 processes, 40% of all enzymes crucial for ATP production and utilization. So you know, taking something like magnesium could be, you know, sol solving the issue. If you're magnesium deficient, you're going to be more prone to anxiety. You're going to be more, more prone to just not operating at your potential. So going back, I, I guess one last thing I would add here is, you know, understanding pharmacology and how it ties to certain conditions. So, right. So anxiety, you want to generally speaking, and uh, this is like a very oversimplification, but 
anxiety, decreased glutamate, increased GABA. Depression, the main thing you want to do is increase BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor. And pretty much all antidepressant drugs will increase BDNF. That's kind of the final common pathway for all of these drugs, whether it's psilocybin or it's, um, you know, SSRIs. They, they all kind of have an interaction with BDNF or the BDNF receptor, um, which is basically ca causing neurogenesis and neuroplasticity, allowing you to be cognitively flexible and change your mind about things and, and improve habits and whatnot. And then so on, so on, so on, and so on. I, I could go on and on and on, but uh, yeah, those are kind of the general themes. So I'll stop ranting there. No, 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 that, that's a perfect rant. I like that. There's so many ways that I want to take it. When, when did you started taking, you, you said you said that overnight kind of experience. What was your experience? Because um, I know also getting off SSRIs is a process as well. And I, I've had family members go through that process of finding new things that um, help them with their depression. And then the process of getting off SSRIs was another journey itself. What was that? Was Did you have any struggles with that journey? Was it kind of just you got off SSRIs as soon as these things kind of popped up? Did you have a leaning off period? What was that kind of like for you? Uh, I I took SSRIs for, for four years straight without even trying to taper off. Um, well, while you were to... taking this other stuff or is this before? Uh, all this other stuff was stacked on top of it. So okay. SSRI was the first thing I took and then everything else kind of was put on top of that, um, you know, for the most part. So I was taking it at the same time. I tried to taper off SSRIs the first time. First time was disaster, right? Because I had no idea about glutamate i had no idea about gaba i didn't know i didn't understand the pharmacology so you know obviously if you've been taking a drug for four years and then you just stop it uh you know suddenly um you know chances are you're not going to feel the same way you're probably going to feel pretty shitty um and you you have n nothing to support that that drop off you have nothing to fill the void so the first time i did it was kind of shitty uh the second time i did it probably a year later i really understand from pharmacology at that point, um, you know, it was magnesium maxing, agmatine maxing, uh, myo-inositol maxing, taurine, um, and then like, a, you know, more like GABAergic herbs. So like anti-anxiety herbs, like go-to cola, magnolia bark, lemon balm, valerian root. A lot of these are also used for sleep too, um, you know, because of GABA's role as kind of like a sedative, but yeah. So second time was very easy. I actually just posted a kind of protocol for people that want to get off SSRIs. And so I just posted a thread about that. And I think it makes it very, very painless. Um, and, and I guess when people look at that protocol, they'll say, okay, well, you know, people are taking SSRIs, maybe they have side effects, but you're now replacing this with, with all these supplements. And I, I would kind of respond to that is a lot of these supplements, you know, first of all, magnesium, like everyone should be taking that anyways. And then second of all, um, you know, these supplements are going to get you to a better place regardless that they're not going to have the same side effects. They're not going to have the same downsides. And then once you're on all of this stuff, uh, you know, you can very easily get off it. I think, you know, much easier than just the SSRI itself. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll stop there. I think there was something else I wanted to add, but I, I forget exactly. No problem. No problem. If it comes up, you just bring it up. But that was my that kind of leads into my next point is 
you went from getting like what got you started was that you were you were you were really struggling you were below homeostasis you were below the normal level and you just wanted to get back up to the normal level and that's so many people but now you are at a level where you are maxing you know like you are you are elevating past the normal level elevating past what most humans are normally able to do uh what was that process like because because i feel like there is two different processes there's coming from like down to normal and then going from normal to superhuman and and that kind of journey so when did you really decide was it you just started feeling better and you're like i can keep pushing this i can keep doing this like what was that journey of going from now that now that you're feeling like normal again and feeling better to going into the superhuman level of, of the the kind of level that you're at right now yeah so yeah, I've been definitely at, at both ends of the, of the spectrum, you know, not from being able to not even get out of bed, um, you know, not able to enjoy really anything at all. It's kind of, they call it anhedonia, but I think things started to, to take a turn for the worse at the beginning of COVID. Um, you know, that's when things really went downhill. I wasn't able to get out of bed. And then kind of over the summer, um, you mentioned psilocybin earlier. And o over the summer, I was at a party in the Hampton. So, you know, kind of like a Wolf, Wolf of Wall Street banger party. Um, you know, it was probably one of the best days of my life. And at this party, I took kind of, you know, not a heroic dose, but like a decent dose of psilocybin mushrooms. And, you know, for the first time in probably months, like six months, the next day was silence in my thoughts. It, it was you know, 80% of my anxiety and kind of all of the issues were, were fixed overnight. Now, this didn't, wasn't permanently, but what it taught me is that there are a lot of natural options that, that can help you. And, and there's ways of, of doing things that, you know, pe people don't expect are going to work. You know, there's basically alternatives to the convention. Um, you know, everyone says, oh, you have to take SSRIs. There's nothing else that you can do. And this kind of showed me, well, you know, this solved my problem overnight and was just like the most mind-blowing thing. So I think there's alternatives. Um, you know, getting back to the question here. Sorry, what was the question again? Oh, just how you went from so so that no that was a fucking good clip. So that will probably the Instagram clip. So good shit throwing that one in there. But uh, how you went from so I was talking about that because I think it's two journeys of like going from being like depressed and not feeling anything at all to getting to like a normal baseline level, and then going from the normal baseline level to the level that you're currently at, which is like people are looking up to you. People are looking up to you as a superhuman, as like a person that's brain, like they want to live like you. So it's not even just the normal level. Like you went from down to normal to superhuman. You know what I mean? So how did, yeah. how was the journey from going from normal to superhuman? Like, what was that? Was it just, you started to feel better taking these things when you went from down to up and you're like, I can keep maxing this. I can keep pushing this. I can keep doing this. Um, and were the supplements different? Were there different things that you um, explored? Um, what was that journey? Like, what was the second part of that journey? I guess yeah, so so I guess, you know, the, the second part of the journey is, you know, the first part was kind of the supplements. They kind of spurred me in the right direction. Obviously, the psilocybin trip help, helped as well. So those are kind of getting you on the right track. But what I soon learned was uh, they're not going to do everything for you. They're not going to, you know, they might help you create better habits and they might ease that process and, and expedite that learning process. But they're, they're not going to eat the right foods for you. They're not going to, you know, 
enhance your sleep so that you can only sleep two hours a night. Like you, you have to kind of fix everything else. And, and trust me, I've tried pretty much every supplement. I've, I've tried to like kind of uh, do everything without having a lifestyle in place and it just doesn't work. So, um, you know, that, that's what I soon learned. So, so really focusing on diet, optimizing things and, and cutting things out before I was adding things. So for diet, I was cutting out like, you know, obviously everyone talks about the seed oils and, and things like that, but you know, I was cutting out seed oils, pesticides, you know, trying to eat organic. I was trying to cut out a lot of those like factory farmed animals, um, and, and go for grass fed and grass finished instead and, and eat wild caught fish and pasture raised eggs and, and all of that good stuff. Right. Because it's not necessarily what you're eating, but it's, it, it's what your, uh, your food is eating. Mm. Right. Because grass fed and grass finished meat is going to have a, a much better omega three to omega six ratio. So, you know, omega threes, anti-inflammatory, fatty acids, right? And, and, and it's also going to have a better nutrient profile. Same with, you know, pasture-raised eggs. If you look at a pasture-raised egg versus a regular egg, and, and we're totally off topic here, but if you compare those two, you know, the pasture-raised one is a completely different color. So take from that what you will, but I, I think that's pretty much all you need to know. You know, so, so really once I was able to kind of get back on my feet with the supplements, you know, focusing on the diet, focusing on, you know, exercise and, and really, you know, trying to go hard there and, and improving 1% every day, um, you know, focusing on sleep, focusing on all the essentials. And I would say the biggest essential that people overlook is sunlight exposure. I think it's the single biggest thing for health. I think it's more important than, you know, cutting out seed oils or, you know, all this kind of catchy, uh, trendy stuff. I think sunlight exposure is the single best thing you can do for your health. There's, you know, multiple studies that are kind of confirming that it reduces all cause, all cause mortality globally. And then there's this, this other interesting study that says that avoiding sunlight is a risk factor equivalent to smoking, a risk factor for death. So avoiding sunlight is is a risk factor for death uh, equivalent to smoking. So I won't really go into the specifics. You know, su sunlight exposure is going to do so much more than, you know, just vitamin D production. And if you're just taking a vitamin D supplement instead of getting outside, um, you know, it, it's just not going to be the same. And I think one of the biggest things, one of the biggest takeaways from sunlight exposure is really nailing that circadian biology, really getting that circadian rhythm down because that that's really going to influence your whole biology. It's going to influence your, your physical performance. It's going to influence your um, mental performance because it's, it's affecting you on a cellular and mitochondrial level. Um, so yeah, I mean, get outside people. Yeah, we I live in Minnesota. So the three months that we get sun for is like, I'm a totally different human. Like, <laughs> I, I feel like night and day difference. I mean, and it's it's pretty notoriously known like in Minnesota too of like, just how much better people feel in the summer here when there's actual sun and it's not negative 30 out than when you're you're in the winter and you're all bundled up and still trying to get 
some sunlight exposure when you're in the winter and doing outside walks, but just the amount of exposure I get in the summer, it's uh, like, I'm a totally different person. Yeah, dude. A- absolutely, man. I, I, uh, I lived in Indiana for a few years, so <laughs> yeah. I know, exa- I know all about that. And, uh, yeah, I, I guess one last thing I would add on that point is we literally evolved to be addicted to sunlight, right? Because when you're out in the sun, it's going to, you know, uh, release those beta endorphins. Those beta endorphins are, are going to bind to the mu opioid receptors. Um, so yeah, we, we literally evolved to be addicted to sunlight. So do with that what you will. <laughs> Fuck yeah. One of the things that you, you said that I really liked is you said the supplements let you get back on your feet. And then once you're on your feet, you had you had to start walking yourself and doing the rest of it. But I, I think that's a really important point that's probably overlooked a little bit is and it's not even like I think a big part of it is getting people like interested and excited and getting them on their feet mentally as well. You know, it's like if you start taking magnesium, where else can that take you? And, and I think that's one of the best things that is not talked enough about in like the biohacking, the supplement industry is just how it's such like a it's such a catalyst for change for a lot of people. It can also be a a um a jail cell for a lot of people because then they'll think like if i just take this then i'm doing everything for my health and i've seen that before too but i feel like it can be just such a catalyst for uh, for a lot of people to start being interested in their health again start taking these things seriously like huberman's made fun of a lot uh like people talk about like everything that he says like the huberman's probably done more for the health field than any single other person because he's, he's getting people excited and interested in health i'm having like old moms ask me about magnesium because of a Huberman clip they've seen, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, they're excited. They're on their feet again. They're moving forward in the way of health. And there's so many different ways. And there's so many like philosophies we need to tie to it. And they do have to understand that they, it's the magnesium's not going to make you sleep or eat the right food or stop eating the McDonald's or stop stressing out about your phone and your work. And it's not going to let you see sunlight, but I, I do feel like there's, there's a huge benefit in just having people excited about their own health with where our health is at in our nation specifically. Yeah, absolutely. And I see both sides of that argument, right? You have the human types who are the, the over optimizers and, you know, I potentially fall into that bucket bucket, um, you know, but I, I think I'm kind of more so in the middle. Right. And then, and then you have kind of, you know, the opposite of the optimizers, people, kind of the misfits, the, the people who are smoking cigs and uh, eating whatever the hell they want, and they're still performing well. So, you know, I, I don't think it's a one-size-fits-all fit, approach. I also don't think that, you know, you can live a unhealthy lifestyle sustainably, um, you know, for years at end. You, you know, you might be able to perform well, you know, for a short period of time, but eventually that's going to catch up with you. And eventually you're going to have to become an optimizer. You're going to have to listen to Huberman because uh, you two are going to have to get back on your feet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so one of the things like you, you've mentioned a ton of ton of things already. Uh, and I'm always interested in how people like you think, like, how do you go about the process of actually breaking down these studies and actually learning this stuff personally? Like, and because like you, you look at your Twitter page and there's fucking there's so much information it's like a, a phd of information throughout your twitter page how do you go about the process of like do, do you set out time of like this is going to be my research time this is going to be my content creation time um because there's a there's a piece of learning the knowledge and then taking that knowledge and making it content for people that can digest and grab and be interested in too because again it's like 
all the studies are out there for everybody to see, but nobody's nobody's seeing it that way. That's not the catalyst for people to be interested in this stuff. People like you are the catalyst for them to be interested in this stuff. So how how do you go about that process of like catalyzing the things from the research study and learning about the research study so you're not just throwing out random shit? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's such an important question, right? Because like you said, all of that information is out there. It's right in front of you. And oftentimes, you know, very simple solutions are, are really at your fingertips. It's not, you know, like, you know, some crazy biotech has to create some crazy drug to, to fix your, uh, your problem. You know, a lot of the times the, the answers are, are relatively simple. Um, I, I'd say my approach has, has kind of evolved over the years. Um, you know, when I was dealing with all these sorts of issues and, you know, some of them were mental, some of them were physical, you know, ha having that, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like a problem solving approach So doing a lot of Googling. Um, I, I think when you're a beginner, it's better to start off with some resources like examine.com or selfhack.com or, you know, uh, Ben Greenfield is a great resource. He has a, he has a good book for beginners called Boundless and it, it covers a lot of you know, how to fix certain problems and, and kind of the nuts and bolts of, of biohacking and, and stuff like that. So I, I think starting there is a good approach just to, to build your foundation a little bit more. Um, th then you can kind of get into, and, and this is very simple. This is something that anyone can do. You know, let's say you had arthritis, right? Osteoarthritis, and you, you had like crippling pain. All you have to do is go to scholar.google.com type in osteoarthritis and you know if, if you're looking for a supplement or an herb that might be able to alleviate some of that pain uh just search in like osteoarthritis like supplements or osteoarthritis uh alternative treatments or, or herbal treatments for arthritis things like that um so you can basically replicate that with any kind of problem that you have and You'll see that oftentimes there's a lot of uh, things out there that might be able to help, um, you know, some more so than others. Um, but but it is all out there. And I, I guess for some of the advanced people, um, just real quick, I, I would recommend using Sci-Hub, which you can use to unlock full studies. Once you unlock the full study, read the discussion or put it into chat GPT and you'll get everything out of it, everything out of that study that you need. Um also, you know, a textbook that really influenced the way I understand neuropharmacology is called like a, a central psychopharmacology um, by Stephen Stahl. So, you know, getting into more rigorous textbooks, you know, if you're interested uh, is also an option and, and it was hugely helpful for me. But I think, you know, basic resources and basic Google searches can oftentimes lead to some good results. Fuck yeah. Well, but you touched on a little bit, and this is one thing I was going to ask you as you were starting to talk about this. What's the what's the role of chat GPT, especially going forward with a, with a lot of these AI systems coming up um, for the supplement game and just the the self doctoring game, the the the, the self medicating, the self like healing journey? Uh, what do you what do you view the, the role of chat GPT being for people going forward? Yeah, so, so that's that's an awesome question, and I, I'm using it nearly every day. Um, but you know, when you just ask it a question like, oh, like, um, you know, would this supplement be helpful for this or, or what are some natural treatments or, or what should I do about this? It's going to give you a very, um, you know, WebMD type of answer like, oh, there's limited evidence that any of these herbs do anything. 
Um, you know, and, and basically it, it's going to give you an answer from the perspective of mainstream medicine and kind of big pharma. It is helpful to a certain degree, but th that's, you know, kind of the experience I've gotten out of it. So you, you just have to be mindful of that. I think, you know, it's most helpful for me because, you know, you can get the main points out, out of studies quicker. You can synthesize information quicker. So using it as a tool in that regard, rather than like a database for question and, and, and answers for, for health question and answers um, is probably the, the better move. But how about you? What, what do you think? Yeah, well, I was thinking, I was just thinking as they go forward, it's like you could have them do it in a way of like, tell me, tell me the opinion of like, what would Nutbro say about this? What would Noah Ryan say about this? You know, like, uh, yeah. I, I know, I know you can get them. And I, I've, I've only messed around with ChatGP, chat GPT a couple times, but I've got it to write programs in the form of Austin Yoakum. Like they'll, they'll write really the way that I write programs and Louis Simmons write programs. So like the, when I was doing that, I was like, bro, you could do this with pretty much anybody. Like, what would you say about this? And then it could come up with a different way. And I, I don't know the best way to get there the fastest, but I think that could be a really cool tool of basically they get to ask you guys questions and it will pull from your page of massive information. Cause you guys have all those data points out there and it's able to pull from that. And if big pharma doesn't censor it, you know, if it, that could be a very, that could be the case too, is like, they just take away all that. But if they don't, you could technically write that up and it would be, this is what, Nutro would say about this. This is what Noah Ryan would say about this, and this is the pathway they would take. Yeah, absolutely, man. That that's such a good point, and it, it kind of remind me. Um, yeah, you you could kind of create AIs where it has basically all the knowledge of of Noah Ryan or all of the knowledge of you know whoever your favorite uh, health influencer is, and and you could just ask that questions. And I think if that was executed and built well, it can be you know such a powerful tool and be able to help a lot of people. I think. Yeah, I got all these ideas. I just got to be smarter at like computer programming and AI and all these things. And you and I could make a lot of money here. Yeah, you and me both, man. <laughs> uh, so drawing it back into, I know I know we have a lot of athletes and a lot of coaches listening. You you talk about unlocking peak performance, and again, like the the athletic performance side of things. We, we've we've talked about the mental health and just getting back up to homeostasis. But what is your approach to like? things like muscle gain, uh, recovery, uh, learning skills faster. Do you, do you have certain stacks? Because I know like that peak performance piece, like that changes for everybody. Like if you're not an elite level athlete, your peak performance could just be optimizing your memory or your focus at work or whatever it is, like whatever you're doing there. And if you're an elite athlete, it's like, I need to optimize putting on muscle and doing this. So what does that kind of process look like for an athlete and athletic performance? Yeah, there the, are uh, a couple newer things or, or lesser known tools i think uh, i don't think I, I really want to talk too much about all of the kind of standard approaches or standard ingredients and in, in pre-workouts because everyone heard about those everyone kind of you know has heard creatine everyone's heard beta alanine um things like that so i don't want to talk too much about it i will say though for for creatine there is kind of a new version i think it's called cregatine and it's supposedly you know, I feel like there's a new version of creatine every year and a lot of people are overhyping this, but pregatine is supposedly, you know, 8.5 times um, more potent than creatine because it, it contains uh, the creatine precursor, right? Mm -hmm. G -A GAA. And 
I guess, you know, they've studied this uh, pretty decently in human studies, and that's kind of an exciting compound. You know, some people have had good results with it, others uh, not so much. So I, I think it's something that is worth a try because, you know, the, the data is very, um, you know, intriguing, intriguing to say the least, right? So 8.5 times more creatine levels in your muscles um, compared to regular creatine monohydrates. So that's... Uh, Pretty crazy stuff. Yeah, that, um, that'd be lead to some good results there. Yes, yeah, so, so that one um, is very interesting and, and something I have to play around with a little bit more. Um, another thing, and, and I should preface this: this one is banned in sports, um, and I I used it. I've been using it for about three years, off and on, and was actually using it as a nootropic, and, and that's how it's probably. Um, best known and what most people use it for. It's called bromantine. And so, you know, it's a Russian drug um, that basically increases dopamine levels by increasing dopamine synthesis. And kind of the nuts and bolts are, are very complicated, but at a basic level, it's going to increase dopamine. But unlike, you know, amphetamines or Adderall, like it, it's not addictive. And, um, you know, you're not going to have that piece of it. So, um, I, I think it's an extremely powerful tool as a nootropic, especially for like boosting motivation and focus without typical stimulant side effects. I also think it, it's really underrated for physical performance endurance. I feel like if I'm using that, um, you know, b before a run or, or at a, at a workout before a swim, uh, I can just go so much harder. It's really crazy, and I, I think it has to do with the anti-hypoxic benefits, um, you know, so oxygen utilization, and, you know, I, I would assume that the, the neurotransmitter, you know, the neurotransmitter levels are actually are playing a role as well um, to some extent, but that one is, in my opinion, very underrated, but again, kind of banned in sports and uh, not a, not an approved drug in the United States, but in my opinion, pretty safe to, if used uh, in in doses that are reasonable. Are you getting a dopamine crash from that at all? No, no. Oh, nice. Yeah, so so it it actually leads to a long lasting upregulation. You know, when you take Adderall, you get let, like that huge surge of dopamine. It, it's releasing dopamine, and at the same time, it's blocking it from being. Uh, taken up by the dopamine transporter. So you're getting huge increases. And then, you know, that's going to lead to a crash eventually um, when the drug, drug stops working. But bromantine seems to work on a genetic level and seem, seems to upregulate, you know, those enzymes that are involved in dopamine synthesis like tyrosine hydroxylase. And you know, supposedly it's, it's leading to increases in these enzymes for like 30 days afterwards. Damn. So it's pretty crazy stuff. And that's not, you know, you really don't see that in any other drug or supplement. Um, so that, that's one to watch for sure. Go. I'm in that rabbit hole now for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that stuff. Um, I, I guess there, there's a few others. Um, you know, everyone's using L-citrulline. I would probably use L-citrulline DL malate. Um, that seems to be the superior form um, because when you combine 
And let me first preface by saying a lot of pre-workouts will have L-citrulline and then they'll have malic acid. Um, but it's not, you know, that's not L-citrulline, DL-malate. It's something completely different. Um, but when, when you're using the, the malate and when it's bound to citrulline as it is in, in this form, it's going to provide, you know, more, more stability for, for that citrulline. It's going to streamline effectiveness. Um, so that's something to look into as well. The only vendor that I know that sells like authentic L-citrulline DL malate that's actually bound together is uh, Nootropics Depot. So they have a really good product there. Um, and, and they also have a lot of kind of other interesting ones. The, these I don't think are going to, you know, necessarily move the needle that much. But, you know, if you really wanted to test some things out, um, beta ectosterone, kind of uh, that that's a really hot one right now. And it supposedly works through the estrogen receptor beta. And as when you stimulate that receptor, it's going to have anabolic effect. Um, and supposedly actually this uh beta ectosterone you know in a rat study it was more potent than dianabol you know the the anabolic steroid so that kind of caught my eye seems to work really well in some uh not so much in others so it could be hit or miss um but i would say nootropics depot has a really good product there i think derek from more plates board dates also sells uh an ectosterone product it's kind of similar to turkesterone kind of in the same family there um other ones you know again on estrogen receptor beta the boron is actually kind of overlooked um you know i i think everyone kind of knows or, or some people know that generally it's going to have a, a good effect on free testosterone by inhibiting sex hormone binding globulin but it also seems to have like a slight anabolic effect via the estrogen receptor beta um, like beta testosterone, and it's also going to really enhance the uh, enhance enhance vitamin D in the body. So it's going to make vitamin D work uh, infinitely better. So boron is something to look into. I would probably use something called boro organic lysine. That I think that's the best form that I've seen. Um, so I would use that over something like boron citrate. Um, I could go on on and on here, man, but uh, I don't. You know, I guess maybe I'll do a couple others here, and unless you have any thoughts or, or wanna. No, no, no. Keep, keep you can keep ripping, and then I'll I'll get to my questions. Whenever whenever you get bored of ripping, I I'll take it from there. But th these are all good stuff that I haven't really heard of. Yeah, yeah, and if you have thoughts or, or disagree on anything, please let me know. But, um. I think those ones are very interesting, at least to look at. I mean, obviously with beta ectosterone, there needs to be more studies, but it seems like there's something there. Um, you know, another really interesting one that is, is I should preface this, very experimental, um, may or may not be banned, but it's probably so new that it's not banned yet. Um, it's called 5-amino-1-MQ, and this is kind of marketing marketed as a peptide it's actually not a peptide it's a small molecule and it's one of the only uh you know one of the only things that i've seen that has really potent effect on both you know muscle growth and fat loss simultaneously so it kind of you know the mechanism there is it's going to inhibit nnmt 
going to boost NAD plus levels. Um, and it, it's going to basically enhance cellular metabolism while also contributing to, you know, the, the muscle growth there. So that's something to, to look into as well, but again, very experimental and, and kind of limited human data, if any. Um, let me, I, I guess, you know, I'll, I'll do one or two more and then, um, I'll stop, but rhodiola rosea, um, I, I think that's one that's overlooked and, and really has potential to be, uh, something quite powerful, at least for me, I've been using it since November of last year. And, you know, there's so many different rhodiola products. And one of the things I talk about endlessly on my Twitter is, um, you know, one rhodiola product could be completely different than the other, just because of the way it's standardized. So when it's standardized, you could have a certain percentage of, you know, silidricide, which is one of the bioactives, or you could have a certain percentage of rosavin. And, you know, if it's a silidricide extract, it's probably going to be more energizing than a rosavin extract. Um, just generally, that's what I've noticed and kind of what uh, other people are saying as well. Um, Tonic has, in my opinion, the most energizing rhodiola that I've ever used. It's been huge for, for workouts and, and honestly for mental performance as well. So I wouldn't sleep on that one. Um, you know, I, I could go on and on about testosterone boosting herbs and obviously, um, you know, so, some of them do work to some extent, uh, but you know, very questionable whether how much they work and, um, you know, whether they're worth using, uh, because there are some safety concerns, but you know, things like Tanga Ali, Fidogia agrestis, um, Fidogia, you know, has questionable safety. I, I wouldn't really say one way or the other whether it's safe or not, but I, I do think it, it does boost testosterone based on, you know, the animal studies and, and my experience with it. And uh, I guess the only other one that's really worth talking about, in my opinion, is Anacyclus pyrethrum. And that's also called Akarkara. And it's kind of like Fidogia, but seems to be less toxic, uh, but seems to also have, you know, a potent androgenic effect by stimulating the HPG, HPG axis. And, you know, then you're going to have a, a boost in testosterone and, and kind of sperm production and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, I, I would look into Anacyclus pyrethrum. That one's pretty underrated in my opinion, and no one really knows about it. I know you talked about Shilajit with, uh, Noah and, um, I love that one as well. That that one I've been using probably for the last six months, not, you know, consistently, but um, I, lo I love that one as well. It just seems to really enhance energy production. It's kind of like a non-stimulant um, energy feel, you, you know, you supposedly boost testosterone based on the, some human studies, um, really revved up like libido and kind of like aggressiveness. So that one also you know, it gets a lot of hype, but definitely not overrated in my opinion. Hell yeah. Well, that there, I'm going to have to rewatch that like 10 times to make sure I got all the names right. I got this whole sheet of paper filled with everything that you're talking about. But uh, <laughs> one of the things I got, I got a couple questions. Are there biggest waste, I guess, biggest waste, uh, most overhyped supplements that you think a lot of people in the mainstream are kind of overfocused on or spending too much money on that really aren't kind of 
maybe worth it or it's maybe it's just overhyped or it's it maybe it is just a waste of money that a lot of people are taking or a lot of athletes that you know are taking yeah yeah and that's a good question right because here i am talking about all these supplements and you know if you hadn't read my twitter before and people didn't know me and um you know you, you would think that i'm basically advocating i'm marketing every supplement known to man because we're talking about so much here but I, I think you know there are a lot that are super overrated first one i would say is ashwagandha I do not like ashwagandha at all. And I I don't think it's overrated because it doesn't work. Um, It does work. And it probably works too well in some instances. You have a lot of people online. um, And and this isn't really corroborated by scientific data. This is just kind of anecdotal reports. But I've seen enough where it kind of causes anhedonia to some extent in some people. When used chronically, um, there's also a concern with ashwagandha with some liver damage. There's been a report of like sudden liver failure from ashwagandha. So between like those two problems, like I just don't think it's worth using. And and frankly, like it really kind of slowed me down. It was too potent of a cortisol de- decrease. And, uh, you know, some people might love it and it might work for them, but, you know, if you're looking for something to tame cortisol or, you know, decrease anxiety or, or help with sleep, uh, or even boost testosterone. And by the way, I, I think it's very overrated for boosting testosterone. It's barely going to do anything at all. And you're better off using something else, but, um, you know, and you're better off using something else for anxiety. There's so many alternatives that are, are really just superior in terms of the risk reward profile. Um, yeah. So I'd say ashwagandha, I think also iron supplements are overrated and you'll see iron and, and copper, honestly, too, in a lot of multivitamins. And, you know, we could have a whole podcast here on multivitamins, but I don't take them. I prefer just to optimize diet, right? You're, you're going to eat anyway, so you might as well just optimize your diet. Make sure you're getting all the nutrients. Um, you know, it, it's going to be better for you anyways than just taking a multivitamin. But the problem with multivitamins is there's, there's so much stuff in there that's like, that's just really... Either it's a poorly absorbed form, like a cheap form that's, you know, not not the best thing to be using, or, you know, in some cases, a toxic form. For example, for example, your vitamin B6, um, a lot of the multivitamins will use peroxidine HCL, which is the inferior form. You want to be using P5P, uh, which is a superior form, and peroxidine HCL. They both can kind of cause problems if used too much, but I think peroxidine HCL is, is far, um, you know, far, far more unsafe. So, yeah, not a fan of multivitamins. If you want to use one, I think Thorn makes some good ones. Uh, so I'd stick to those. And then back to iron and copper, uh, mostly iron, but also copper. You know, when you're supplementing iron, it, it's just generally not a good idea to supplement iron. And in fact, like, it's going to cause systemic inflammation by you know, creating this problem of unbound iron. And I I think a lot of people have unbound iron issues to begin with um, that maybe they didn't know about. And I think supplementing iron is really not a good idea unless, you know, you have some kind of crazy issue where you're being, you know, basically forced by a doctor to take it. Um, But I I would never take that um, unless I had a real issue. And really same with copper. You can get those nutrients, you know, copper, for example, you can get in beef liver, and you'll get some iron through the beef liver as well. 
you know, getting heme iron um, from meats and, you know, natural sources is going to be much better for you than just supplementing iron, which is going to cause a sy systemic inflammation. So to summarize, uh, yeah, I, I stay away from multivitamins. I stay away from ashwagandha. I stay away from supplementing iron and uh, generally stay away from supplementing copper too. Um, but yeah, those are, those are kind of my main things. Okay. That, that was a great answer. I love it. Have you experimented at all with, uh, microdosing psilocybin or LSD, um, for e just cognitive enhancement or skill acquisition or anything like that? So, so I've done multiple, you know, pretty sizable trips. I, I have microdosed a little bit, but I think you have probably way more experience than me. So I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit about your experience if you uh, feel comfortable sharing, but I wouldn't say I have like, you know, really good experience microdosing, but I would probably agree that, that, you know, there is a lot of benefit there and we can get into that if you want to. Oh yeah, we could cover. I, I've covered on podcasts before. I was just wondering if, if you have dove deep into it too, because I like talking to people about this. I have a, I have a lot of people that have, I, I just got back from a month ago. I went to the maps conference and in some of the studies, man, that they had on basically it's like <laughs> the way that they, every study that I've seen, it's like depression, anxiety, uh, skill acquisition, um, so many ways of just like it's almost like a miracle pill. That's a, that's what they they keep spouting in, and they're like these guys are looking for the <laughs> negatives of this microdose. Like, and I've so I've been trying to ask as many people as possible, looking for the negatives, looking for anything that they've seen from it. But yeah, you talk about the the increase of BDNF. They they talk about using it all the time for that. Um, but I really like you talk about the how the brain communicates in different ways. Um, that's what the biggest thing I've noticed creativity wise and for sports, it's really effective because you see a solution to this. Let's say you've seen a, you've seen a movement problem a thousand times. Maybe it's a baseball pitch. Maybe it's a you're a running back. Maybe you're shooting a basketball. You've seen the same movement problem a thousand times, but your brain's so wired in the same way to communicate. When I see this movement problem, this is my solution. Um, and what I've noticed when I microdose and, and talking to other athletes that have microdosed is when I see that problem, I can come up with a multitude of different solutions. And a lot of times those different solutions are better than the solution that I just have ingrained in my head that maybe I just figured that out solution when I was 15 years old. And it was the good solution at that time, but it's not the ultimate best solution in my 27 year old body now. Um, yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. So I, I think that's one of the really cool pieces of just seeing how your brain communicates in different ways and is able to break out of old habits. And obviously that's in the big trips too, the heroic trips. And the, the, the that's a massive piece of the whole, the macro trips or the heroic trips too, is just like, wow, you, you see the world in a, in a totally different way of, I, I used to communicate through this lens and now I can see it and communicate through this multitude of lenses and kind of pick the character that, that I want to play. Yeah. Yeah. Such an important point. And really like one of the most powerful tools available. I think if you're using it intelligently, I think you can cause some problems. Um, you know, if you're not using it intelligently or, um, you know, some people have like bad trips or some people develop like kind of some sensory, uh, sensory issues. But I think overall, I think it's like, you know, such a powerful tool and, and probably one of the most powerful tools we have to, you know, remain cognitively flexible to, to see things from a different angle to treat mental illness. You know, I saw, uh, there was a study from a couple of years ago, I think it's from 2021, right. And they're treating 
people with depression. So you're giving someone an SSRI for, I don't know what it was, maybe like three months, or you're giving people two psilocybin trips. And the, the two psilocybin trips was just as effective as the SSRI that you were taking daily over the course of like many months. And it was actually slightly more effective, not statistically significant, but you know, it just goes to show you how powerful these things are. Um, you know, for neurogenesis, for neuroplasticity, which are, you know, the, the two main things you want to be focusing on when you're, you know, trying to learn, enhance cognition, solve mental health issues. So I agree with you, man. Uh, the the other thing that I know this just made me think about this is one of the things that they really talk about is like the visual acuity that you get when you when you're microdose and when you're on psilocybin. Oh, yeah. Um, are there other supplements? Yeah, I mean, it, I mean. And I, I play a lot of hand-eye sports right now. And like when I microdose, it's unbelievable of like a ball that used to look like, let's say this big will grow with like triple in size and your ability to track and locate things on a microdose. Obviously a megadose, your, your visuals are totally crazy, but uh, on a microdose, like it slows that ball down and makes it huge and you're able to track and see things like that. Is there any other supplements that you know of that that is not a microdose for people that are not in the they're not ready for the psilocybin world or they, they don't want to uh, microdose yet that can focus on visual acuity? Yeah, so so um, for psilocybin, by the way, yeah, I noticed the same exact thing. Like I felt like it was HD vision. I already you know have bad vision to begin with, and it just seemed to really like supercharge my vision. I can see things so much more clearly, and it, it's happened every time I've taken them. Um. I think that's probably primarily from, you know, some neurogenic aspects of the psilocybin and probably some other more complicated mechanisms. I think if you wanted to replicate the neurogenic aspects of psilocybin, I would probably consider a couple of things. So there's something called 7-8-DHF, and it sounds very scientific, but it's actually a flavonoid found in you know various plants, and it's going to bind to the BDNF receptor, which is called uh, TRK-B, or ERK-B. Um, and, and psilocybin also binds to that receptor in a slightly different way, but th that's kind of the neurogenic receptor. If you want uh, neurogenesis and neuroplasticity, uh, the BDNF receptor, TRK-B, is, is a really good place to start. So 7-8-DHF um, is something to consider another one to consider is and everyone knows this one but lines mean um i think it's actually probably much better for nerve growth factor um which is similar to bdnf it's you know a neurotrophic factor but uh it's going to work slightly differently and that one's probably a good good one to have as well again you want to have like a a really quality extract i think nootropics depot and by the way i've no, I'm not trying to hype up Nootropics Depot, but uh, they just released, you know, the first Lion's Mane product to contain, you know, a stand to guarantee a standardized amount of the single bioactive that increases nerve growth factor, which is why everyone takes Lion's Mane to begin with. So that's pretty innovative stuff for the supplement industry. Um, so, so those are kind of two places to start. Um, I, I don't know if there's been a ton of, of studies saying that they actually improve visual acuity or, or they're going to improve your vision. Um, but I, I did a post on improving vision with, with some supplements uh, maybe a couple months ago. I'll have to send it to you after this. But uh, a couple other ones, I think like saffron it is pretty good for vision. Uh, lutein, I think like 
astaxanthin, um, you know, some of those, and, and I have a couple others in, in the tweet. If you just search my profile for vision, um, those are ones that have actually probably have more evidence to, you know, protect vision or improve vision or, you know, they're used mainly for that purpose. Um, you know, the neurogenic ones are, are mainly ones that I'm just kind of, uh, you know, that's my theory. So it's not, but it, it's really not. proven. It, it, it's funny that you bring up the lines main though, because um, the, the stack that they were talking about, um, it was shown to be st statistically more significantly effective than just taking psilocybin microdosing itself was to stack psilocybin. It was like 150 grand milligrams of psilocybin with like 500 milligrams of lion's mane with like, I think it was like 50 milligrams of niacine. Um, and you stack those three and it was like way more effective stacking those three than taking it by itself and, and way more effective. Like it was like lion's mane was here and then psilocybin was here. And then taking the two together was exponentially more effective than even like just like adding these two together. Um, and the stack was crazy. Oh yeah, I believe it. Yeah. I mean, uh, lion's mane is powerful stuff, man. Um, you know, th there's some studies recently and, and that probably synergizes pretty well, right? Because you, you have psilocybin that's working more, more so on the, the BDNF pathway. It's doing other things as well but that's kind of the main pathway there. Uh, then you have lines main that's working on a separate pathway. So it's not like you, you have two things doing the same things. They're kind of working complementary. Um, and, and yeah, there, there's been some studies on, on lines main in humans that, you know, are basically saying that it can, you know, help prevent Alzheimer's. So it helped prevent early Alzheimer's. And I bet if you used it, um, you know, in mildly, impaired people. And I think there's been studies to support this, but, uh, you know, it's generally speaking, assuming you have a quality product, it's really, uh, going to help. So I'm, I'm a fan of lines, mean, some people, uh, don't like it, but that's, uh, a story for another conversation, I guess. Do, do you have a dosage you recommend, uh, for lines, main? Um, so it's going to really depend completely on the product. So, you know, th that's one like area of nuance that I don't really, um, you know, feel comfortable saying because, you know, for example, human, and he's not necessarily wrong for doing this, but he'll give you dosages of, you know, Tunga Ali, for example, but every Tunga Ali product is different, could be extracted at different ratios, could have different amount of bioactives. So um, generally, I mean, I, I just take like uh, one or two capsules of a nootropics depot um you know the eight to one dual extract i think that's kind of the gold standard product and, and their new product that i mentioned earlier is probably good as well gotcha gotcha that's awesome uh what, what else did i want to, oh thc uh, i want to talk to you about that i get i get a lot of questions um from athletes uh, about thc one the the benefits the negatives of being an athlete and using thc and then um if you are the other thing is if you are going to smoke regardless of knowing the negatives uh, are there ways to counteract it I, i've seen some stuff on like l-theanine um and just, just stuff like that your, your thoughts on thc and how you would approach it if you're an athlete and some of the benefits negatives and, and you know thc as it relates to cognition or athletic performance or uh, not 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 using it before a game uh like they're they're, they're just smoking yeah um 
You know, frankly, I've never been really super big into it. It, it never really hit me the right way. I mean, there, there's been times where I was using it every day. And, um, but for the most part, I, I just stay away from it. And, you know, generally, and this is maybe not the most scientific thing to say, but generally when I'm smoking THE, I feel like a hangover from, you know, getting, taking like an edible and just being completely fried is worse than, you know, most alcohol hangovers. Mm-hmm. Um, might not be like as bad for you. Um, but you know, generally from a cognition standpoint, um, I don't think it's good. And, you know, so, so it's not really something I've really been interested that I've looked into completely. Um, but from what I've seen and and what I know, I just generally don't think it's the best idea. I don't think it's going to kill you if you're doing it, uh, every once in a while, but if you're doing it every day, that's definitely going to, take a hit on your performance without a doubt gotcha gotcha well i think that's all the questions i had for the basic one um getting to the insider questions anything else you want to talk about before we get to the insider questions no we, we've covered so much i mean i, I, <laughs> I know could, you've uh... been ripping for like an hour 13 i was like man you, you're gonna be fried after this podcast i have so much stuff on here um yeah yeah i'm gonna have to take some alpha gpc or something but uh <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, this has been great. So uh, yeah, I'm happy to get into some of these other questions. All right. So we, we got two of them. We, we eliminated some of the other ones that we weren't going to be able to cover, which is good. But uh, I think these questions are actually pretty solid. The, the first one's probably a little bit easy, maybe not easier. But first one, um, different pre-workouts uh, or things to take for pre-workout. Uh, you won't have to be necessarily be a typical pre-workout uh, for late afternoon workouts uh, so they don't affect the sleep. Uh, I, I think if it wasn't too late in the day, I would definitely consider rhodiola uh, just because of the effect that it has on neurotransmitters. Um, and, and some of the constituents there are going to improve mitochondrial biogenesis. And I, I think also, you know, basically anything that enhances mitochondrial function is really, generally speaking, going to be helpful. Um, so I, I would definitely say rhodiola. I would definitely say Shilajit. Um, you know, th- there are some other ones as well. I think earlier I mentioned like the Cregatine. I think that's worth looking at, or at least creatine. L-citrulline, um, DL-malate for kind of the pump. And I would probably add Agmentine on top of that because it works a little bit differently, but it's they're both going to enhance that pump. Um, so those are two good things. There's a lot of other things you could add, but I think that's probably a good stack. Um, yeah. Perfect. Boom. Then last question before you, uh, you're, you're free and you're able to take your alpha GPC. Um, (laughs) the, the, uh, question about cycling on and off. And I I thought I really like this question cycling on and off supplements, um, when you're in like a competitive season, um, versus ones that you kind of take lifelong. Like, do you have a list of like, I'm taking these supplements like magnesium you're taking every single day. Uh, where I've seen something like uh, I've seen some stuff on even alpha GPC where you should probably cycle on and off of that. Yeah. Um. The, so thoughts on that when like supplements that you should take on and off and cycle through and just your thought process with that versus your like lifelong I'm taking these supplements every single day. Yeah. Magnesium. Definitely. Um, I'm taking that every day. Um, very rarely do I not take that. And it's just, um, you know, extremely safe. I, I would say most people are probably even not taking enough magnesium if they are taking it. I think a good rule of thumb is like five to 10 milligrams per pound of body weight of elemental magnesium. And that's going to be the smaller dose on the supplement facts label. Um, 
but yeah, magnesium is something that I'm taking, uh, every day. I, I think for a lot of these, I, I do cycle or at least take breaks on a lot of these. Um, like you said, alpha GPC is probably not good to take daily, uh, for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's going to have such a, like a big effect on acetylcholine, um, because it, it seems to trigger release of acetylcholine besides acting as like a precursor. And then probably more severely, it's going to increase TMAO, uh, which is not good for cardiovascular health or, or really anything in general. So yeah, that's probably one to cycle. Anything that has kind of, the, I, I would say a good rule of thumb is the, the bigger magnitude of effect it has, um, you know, the, the, the more likely you should probably be cycling it. So if something has, you know, a huge effect on dopamine or a huge effect on norepinephrine or a huge effect on, you know, boosting testosterone, um, you should probably take a look at that and, and ask yourself and, and look at the, the data. I mean, obviously it's hard to really give a rule of thumb of like, okay, uh, you know, these supplements are good. These supplements are bad to take daily, but I think that's probably a, a good rule of thumb. Another thing is like, is this supplement already endogenously like available in your body? Like for example, magnesium is there, um, you know, taurine is already in your body even agmatine um, is already in your body. A lot of these things are already exist in your body. And I, you know, feel more comfortable with uh, those ones, generally speaking, but I don't think, you know, it's a hard and fast rule that, you know, just because something exists in your body doesn't mean it's, you know, safe for you to take. So I'd say generally look at the magnitude of the effect. I think, you know, examine.com, selfhack.com, um, you know, just for a quick and dirty look, they're, they're going to talk about, uh, you know, the safety, the toxicity, you know, sometimes they mention whether you should be cycling it. So I think those are good resources to, to check out, but it, it's very hard to give a hard and fast rule. Boom. Well, that was awesome. Dude, you, you crushed this. You just went an hour and 18 of just basically spewing out PhD information. So I want to thank you for coming on. This is amazing. Yeah, dude, it, it, it's been a pleasure. So thank you very much uh, for having me. Thank you guys for listening. Keep chopping wood. Thank you for listening. Join us next week as we dive down another rabbit hole. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a five-star rating. Follow us on Instagram at Austin Yoakum to stay updated on future podcast guests. Keep chopping wood.